privilege to praise him. It's our privilege to go back and say, God, look what you've done. For all the things you've done, when I look back over my life and see time and time again, you've been faithful in how you have shown me that I meant something to you. That I was valuable enough to you for you to stop by and visit with me. That I meant enough to you that you, you took time out of whatever you were doing and you looked out at my situation. You said, I'm going I'm to I'm touch it with my finger of love. That in spite of the seven billion people on the planet, you saw me right where I was and you said, okay, I see you, I hear you, and I'm going to respond to you. See, that's what gives me joy. That's what gives me joy to know. Because here's what he says about his children, those that he's, that he's brought into his family. He says, I know the, the number of hairs that are on your head. So that meant when you got done combing this day, this morning, and some of them got pulled out, he recounted, amen? That's good news to me, to know that our Father loves us and he's concerned about us. Let's just one time give heaven a wave, would you just thank you, Lord? I get it, I understand, you may not be a dancer, I'm a dancer, I'm a jumper, I'm a holler, I'm a hooter, I'm a sweater. That may not be your thing, but anybody can wave, hey. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I tell you what, if you don't want to do all that other stuff, just get, be, get, be. You don't, you don't, you don't trust your feet when you jump up. You don't know if your hips are going to give out or not when you try to make a move. Wave it, amen. We thank God today and we're blessed to be in this house, this this great fellowship of believers and being able to worship God today. I want to share for a few minutes, I won't be very long, but I want to share with you something the Lord has been impressing upon my heart, a oneness in Christ Jesus, oneness in Christ, and, and helping us to understand the significance of oneness because it is the Father's heart. It is God's design. It is his plan. One of the things that you can draw from what God has revealed about himself, he's shown us oneness because he revealed himself or manifested himself to us in three distinct ways. He, he manifested himself to us as God Father. He's manifested himself to God the Son. And he's manifested himself to us as God the Holy Spirit. But here's what the Word of God says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. It says that the, there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. And it says, but these three are one. So he shows us even in his very nature, his existence and how he's revealed himself that, there, that, that oneness is important. And it's also essentially important for the believer, for the body of Christ, for us as we function in this life and in this world, as we function together. Now the one thing you must understand, if you've ever gone, if you've ever traveled on vacation or if you've ever maybe not even traveled on vacation with family, but if, you, if you've ever tried to get a group together for something, you know that that's not always easy, is it? You ever said, hey, what are we going to eat? Somebody says chicken. Somebody says White Castle. Somebody says, I don't do White Castle. Somebody said, well, I don't want, I want KFC, but I don't like KFC. I like churches. It, it, it all, it, there's, a, there's an effort, but watch this. It's a concerted effort or an intentional effort when we finally come into one accord. Because one accord, one says, you know what? I'll find something on the menu. 
that I do like. It may not be my preference, but because we, we all need to go somewhere, we're all hungry, we all need to eat, I'm going to come into agreement that we might accomplish what we're trying to accomplish. And so oneness is essential. Oneness is essential in the body of Christ. And so I want to talk to you for a few minutes about that, about how important it is and how significant it is for us to have oneness in the body of Christ. If you would, turn with me to the, to, uh, the you should have received a handout if you didn't receive one. Uh, it's just a half sheet of paper with oneness at the top. If you didn't get one, lift your finger. Uh, our greeter should get one to you. They have some in the back. Just lift your finger real quick. It'll help you to follow along. It is a, it, it is a uh, outline of some of the things I'm going to share, but it's not a complete outline because I want you to be able to write notes and add to what you receive, the revelation you receive onto the sheet that you have. But I will give you time to, to make sure you get those because I want this to be a blessing to you. But while you're doing it, while you're waiting for them to get one to you, turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. <clears throat> Excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12, verses 13, 12, 13, and 14. And specifically, we want to really hone in on 13 and 14, but 12, we want to include in that. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 13, 12 through 14. It reads as follows. The first part of this gives us context. It says, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ. So also is Christ. So as he says, Christ, those that are in Christ, that's what we are. We are the body of Christ. Verse 13 says, for by one spirit were we all baptized into one body, whether we were Jews or Greek, whether we were slaves or free, and all have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many members. Paul introduces the terminology here to help us to understand who we are and what we are in Christ. He uses something that all of us can relate to, and that is a body, that we all have a body. And in this body, we find that, that, that it's all one functional unit with different distinct purposes, but yet still accomplishing one thing. Because your hand stays with you all day, your feet, your legs, they're all working for your, throughout your day to accomplish the fulfillment of that day. So he says that we, here, that we are all one body. So he says, Verse 12, for as the body is one, just as your natural body is one, he says, and has many members, but all those members of that one body being many are one body. So let's count that. In verse 12, he says one, one, three times he says one in verse 12, once again in verse number two more times in verse number 13. So is he trying to get a point to us because he then says it another time in verse 14, six times in three verses he says one. One body, one. 
Many members but one. Many members but one. So the reality is this. We must always recognize that the body of believers, that people around you who are believers are not just people who attend church with you. They're actually a part of the body. The human being has what's called personal preference. In personal preference, that's how you determine uh, what you like. You like uh, greens versus cabbage, or you prefer this versus that. Each one of us has what's called personal preference. And that even applies to people. So every one of us prefers a certain type of people. Every one of us prefers a certain type of people. That's what culminates or causes your group of friends to be formed in your life. How you determine that is based upon the people you prefer. So what happens is when you come into the body of Christ, when you come into the, into the, the body of believers, you still have personal preference. You have certain people you prefer over others. However, when it comes to the body of Christ, if we diminish the people in the body to just being the other people in the church I attend, then there's no connectivity and no concern. And even those whom you don't prefer, you will love with the same care and love because they're a part of the body. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to suggest today that I would say that most of us, if not all of us, don't necessarily prefer our feet. Now, there's some of us who you look at other feet, look at your toes, and you compare them to other toes. And you say, well, I, I prefer mine over what I've seen. But, but overall, if you could choose, you wouldn't choose the toes you've got. You wouldn't choose them to look like there are some, some long. You got that one, that, that second, third one that sticks way out past the rest of them. And, and, it, and it shouldn't be, it should be in. And you got that one that... That, 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 that one on the end that, 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 that hides underneath and, you know, and then I saw one the other day that was sticking up like this. I said, boy, I wonder if that one got broken. So, so most, of, most, most of us would not look at feet and say, I prefer feet. Matter of fact, I'm one of those that I don't want you to touch me with yours. You know, I'm laying there and I, and I caught myself the other day, even my little babies, they were laying there and, and uh, 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 George thought it was just funny to, to kind of put his feet all up on me. I said, hey, son. I mean, you know, don't do that. You know, <laughs> that's not funny to daddy. <laughs> so we, most of us would agree that we don't necessarily prefer feet. However, your feet are a part of your body, right? So watch this. Even though you may not prefer the feet you have, it's not going to cause you to not take care of them and show them the same care as you show any other part of your body. Because watch this, if your feet are hurting, what are you going to do? You'll rub them. If the skin is dry and cracking, what are you going to do? You're going to oil it. You're not going to say, oh, them, this is, those ugly feet of mine, I ain't going to put none on. I, they hurt, I, ain't, I don't care nothing about them. I know this not to be true because watch this, I've seen you. You come in marching with, with your heels on and ready to go. And by the time we get to worshiping, you got some other shoes you pulled out of your purse. So you don't say, oh, these are ugly feet. I don't care. I'm going to hurt them. I'm going to just step on them. I, I don't care that they hurt. You're going to stop. Gingerly take them off. Rub them. 
slide something comfortable on them, right? So here's the thing. We don't necessarily prefer our feet. However, because they're part of our body, they get the same care as any other part of our body. That's why Paul is trying to get us to understand that if you don't see the people around you as a part of the body, then you will treat them with dishonor and a lack of care because they're just other people. They're not body parts. But when you understand that we're all a part of the body, then you understand that we must all show the same care to every part of the body. Even though I prefer something else. I prefer these people, but I treat all the God, of God's people the same. As a pastor, I treat anyone the same. The big tithers or the little tithers. Even the no tithers. And, and God has tried to train us to help us. As James says this, he says, if you come into an assembly and you have a man who walks in and looks like he got something, he says, don't take him and put him on the front row. When you before took the man who came in in raggedy clothes and put him in the back. He says, no, God, God, doesn't, God don't treat people that way. He says, God doesn't have a respected person like that. The question is, in order to have oneness, or the, the, the challenge is in order to have oneness in the body of Christ, we must first start with seeing each other as a part of the body. Okay, now watch this. The other day, I took, I, we, we, you know, for the first time, I pulled out some shorts. And um, Brother Lorenzo, my legs hadn't seen any sun since last year sometime, and so they didn't look like they belonged with this body. They were pretty light. But I realized that they are, even though they're a little lighter. Here's this. Now, everyone, if you would, take your hand. Put your hand out like this. Is that your hand? Turn it around. Is that still your hand? They don't look alike, do they? The texture's different, the color's different, the inside one is all cracked up, and yet it is still a part of your body. Watch this, at any given time, the body functions as one unit. It's always functioning, here's the thing, some parts of the body are more used than the others, but when, that, when the part that you need is being used for its purpose, at that moment, it is the most important part of your body. I love to do this. Take your right finger, index finger, reach up, and touch the very last eyelash on your right eye. Feel that? Can you feel it? Now, you, if you're saying no, if you bought yours, I understand that. You got to reach under there. Reach under there, okay? You gotta go up underneath the glue and the track. Now touch that one. You feel, you feel that? Oh, you feel that one? So you feel that. Now watch this. Throughout your day, you are not concerned about lashes. One fall off, you don't, know, you don't even notice it. However, if today as you walk out, someone throws something and that object is coming towards your eye and that eyelash senses it 
and tells your eyelid to close to protect that eyeball, right then that eyelash that seems insignificant becomes the most important part of your body because it warned your eye to close. See, if this doesn't show you how significant the body is, then you miss the point when, when Paul says, we're all one body. So the key is, if we understand that every part of the body is significant, that means I should love everybody, even those that I don't prefer. You prefer, prefer, prefer people that are quiet? So, so, so the people that are loud and laughing love them the same. You don't prefer them, but you love them. You don't prefer them, but you love them. Just like you don't prefer your feet. One other place that you don't prefer, elbows. That skin. Don't you wish you can just take the, the, this part and pull it down over the... Because <laughs> this, this looks pretty good. This, this, you get right in here, it starts to pull that skin down over that. But does that mean that you don't care for that elbow? Hit it on the wall. Hit that funny bone. Your whole body shut down, doesn't it? You almost want to cry. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I hit my Uh-huh. Another place that you don't prefer knees, kneecaps, the, the knee. Don't you wish you could just put some skin over that? Something that didn't get so white, so, so white all the time, don't you? Uh-huh. But, 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 but you don't not care for your knees because you don't prefer how they look. You love them because they're part of your body. So he says, in fact, verse 14, in fact, the body is not one member but many. So here's the thing. He's saying, here's what you got to understand, that we are the body of Christ. But here's the problem. When personal preference becomes division, we've got a problem. See, because I may not prefer you as a person, but I love you because you're part of the body, and, and, and I don't prefer you, but I still love you, and so I still care for you, even though I don't prefer you. Because then what happens there, when personal preference develops in dislike, it becomes a schism. And Paul, my first point today is there should be no schisms in the church. Slide down to verse 25. Verse 25 in this 12th chapter. He says that there should no, be no schisms in the church, in the body. If we see ourselves as a body, he says there should be no schisms in the body. No, no, th that, we, that we don't divide ourselves from the body. Notice he's saying, he's referring again to the body of Christ. He says there should be no schism in the body but that the members, watch this now, every member of the body, if you say I'm a believer, I'm a part of the body of Christ, he says, but the members should have the same care for one another. He said there should not be somebody you treat better than you treat others. He says every member of the body should treat the whole body with the same amount of care. Now let's, let's look at what, what a schism is. Now imagine if your natural body had some schism. The arms and legs decide they're going to move to the right side. 
your legs, on, the, the, your feet decide they, they, they're tired of being walked on, they're going to move up to the shoulder. Your chest, your chest is, your shoulders are tired of carrying all the weight and bearing all this, so they're going to move down to your hip. Boy, that big mess with it. You, you wouldn't know what to do. Right? So look what he says. A schism is division, separation, discord, and disharmony. Okay, it's a given that as human beings we have personal preference. But personal preference should never become division. Oh, I, I prefer someone different, but so she's on the committee? Oh, mm-mm. Mm, 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 mm. Now watch this. The committee is formed to help the church. But I ain't going to serve on it because I don't, I love everybody. The Lord say you love everybody. But her, I don't do. That's division, that's schism. He says that there should be no schism. In the church, watch this. Uh, I only sit so 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 I, I'm sitting here, and so Sister Sandra don't prefer me, so I come and sit in. I'm looking for seats. This is the one that's left. She slide her purse. Go ahead and slide over a little bit. Take your purse too, because you think I'm gonna steal something out of it, don't you? Like, and your Bible and your phone. You don't even want to touch me, do you? Because you know I, I you know I don't sit with her. That's schism. Now watch this. What part of your body would you, that you don't prefer that you, you take off? What part of your body that you don't prefer would you rather do without? That's why Paul is trying to help us to see. If we see each other as the body of Christ and not just other people in our church, we will have care for one another. He says so that we would have care one for another. Here's the other thing. Oh, I try to help everybody. I trip, I'll help anybody. But I don't deal with them, so I can't really help them. The next thing, my point number two is, you're supposed to be doing good to the family. Turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Because there Paul is trying to uh, encourage the believers over there. He says, listen. He says, don't, in, in verse number 9, he says, don't get weary when you're doing good. If, if now, as you hear this word and the Lord is convicting your heart and saying, hey, show kindness and care to everybody, love everybody, love all your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, he says, if, if the Lord is convicting you to do that, Paul says, don't get weary in doing it. If you know that's the right thing to do, that's what the Holy Spirit is saying to do, that's, that's a good thing to do, he says, don't get weary in doing good. He says, because in due season you should reap. Then he goes on and says in verse number 10, he says, and as you have an opportunity to do good, he said, do it for anybody. If you're going to do some good, help anybody you can. He says, but watch this now. I want you to give preferential treatment to your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. He says, do good to all men, but especially those who are of the household of faith, especially your brothers. If you're going to treat somebody right, treat them right. Here's what I, what I, what I would say. If you're going to be courteous to somebody, 
You should be courteous to the people you love. If you're going to be connected to somebody, be connected to those who are part of you, right? So he says, if you're going to do good, do it to anyone, but especially special treatment. Especially. See the root word in there? S-P-E-C-I-A-L. Special to those who are of the household of faith. So we are called to have the same care, not to have discord, discord and disharmony. But see, we have to be courageous enough to do that. Someone say, oh, don't, you know, don't go. Uh-uh, no. Growing up, let me share this with you, because preferential treatment affects behavior. Growing up in the church we, that, that I, I attended as a child growing up, um, every auxiliary in the church had a service. You know what service is? It's, it's, it's a worship time. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. I used the wrong term. It's a pro, uh, everyone had a program, a program. So I mean, let me clarify. A program is a service, all right? So one of the programs that many people didn't prefer was the usher board. Now, the usher board, I don't know why it was called usher board, because they didn't, they wouldn't, it was just the ushers, but they were usher board. Now watch this. But the usher board would have, Every uh, spring, they would have the Usher Board anniversary. It'd be in the after, it'd be in the evening, but it was always the least attended program of the year. But here's the thing: it was also one of the shortest programs of the year. So if I were going to show love to every part of the body, it wasn't going to take that much of my time to start with. But we didn't prefer them, so, you know, this usher board. Not seeing the value of how they stand at the door on their feet all service, ushering in and opening and, and welcoming and passing out bulletins, feet hurting, ankles swollen, still standing there. Greeting. But we didn't see value. But here's the one, here's the program that was the most attended. Choir anniversary. Watch this. It was the most attended. Here's the thing. And it was also the longest one of the year. Because they didn't just have one service. They had two in one. They had a first half and second half. Then they had some groups singing in the first half. Some groups singing in the second half. And they didn't stop there. They had one uniform they wore for the first half, and then they needed an intermission so they can go and change into the second one for the second half. Be there almost to 10 o'clock at night. And yet people will be packed because they saw the value of the choir, and we love the choir. We love them singing. So watch this. To know value acknowledges that every part of the body is significant. And that we must appreciate all that we have. And if we're going to do good for those in the household of faith, especially for them. If I'm going to make a sacrifice, I'm going to go out. I'm going to make this sacrifice because these are part of my body. 
Look at this. You don't have to turn there, but just look here, look on the screen. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. Write this in your notes. It's not on your page, but write it in your notes. Ephesians chapter number 2, verse 19. Look what it says. It says, now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. He says, look, he said, before you came to Jesus, you were just foreigners and strangers kind of wandering through the world. He said, but now that you've been born again, you are citizens of heaven and are part of the saints and the body of Christ, the family of God. We must see ourselves as being born again, born into this new family. That's why Jesus says, don't marvel that I'm saying that you got to be born again, because he knew that God wasn't just creating religion. He was creating a family. How did you get into your family? How did you get into your family? How did you get into your family? Now watch this. Did you choose them? No. They were just there when you came out. The good, the bad, the ugly, the pretty, the kind. They were just a part of the family what you were born into. Ah, now you're getting it. See, Jesus says, don't marvel that you must be born again because in being born into the body of Christ, you didn't choose your family. You were born into it, and God is the one who chose them. So who are you to disrespect and dishonor your brother? Who are you to dishonor and disrespect your sister? Jesus says, who is my mother? Who is my brother? But those who do the will of my Father, those that have come into the will of God. What is God's will? None should perish. Every person that has accepted Jesus Christ has come into the will of God. So those who do the will of my Father. We are part of the body of Christ. We are part of the family, the household of faith, the family of God. So then the question we must ask is, is Christ divided? If Christ is one, he's saying that they should be one, I want them to be one, we have to ask this critical question, is he divided? Because Paul says that, that Christ is a body. Now, I, I have experienced this when I worked, I worked for a short time uh, at Methodist Hospital right after high school. And I say a short time specifically because it was intentionally short. I didn't get fired. I just didn't go back. I was in transportation. Transportation was, I don't know what they call it now, but transportation are those people, we used to have a little, little a khaki colored coat, and so we carried those, we, we, we were those that carried the bodies, uh, <laughs> that wasn't always body, but carried the people from their room to their appointments within the hospital and then back to their room. But we also did carry the bodies when someone, my first day, here's what happened to me, Elder Petty, and this is what started me leaving that day. I started that day, and I started my exit that day, too. My first day while I was training, we had to go down to the, to the uh, emergency room and take a body to the morgue. Now, I had never handled a body, had never been around a body, so we walked in, and so the trainer asked me, he says, which end do you want to take? I said, he said, we need to move him onto our car because we need to leave the emergency room car here. So we need to move him onto our car and take him down. I said, man, I, you know, I don't like feet. So I said, I'm going to choose. I chose the head. So what I did, I go to the head. 
but it was the body was still it was freshly it did freshly deceased so rigor mortis hadn't set in so I scooped under the shoulder and when I picked up the head fell back boy and I, I hopped out of he said don't worry about it he don't mind I said man ain't no joke <laughs> that ain't that funny to me so as progressed you know I had other runs to the to the morgue and I was going down one time and the young man who managed the morgue he had no problem with bodies or body parts there was a refrigerator down there where someone is in an accident and their and their arms or their limbs are up and rigor mortis sets in they have to actually cut those saw those so they can get them into the proper so he so he had some limbs in the refrigerator and he was sitting up on top of it eating his lunch so yeah i think i'm in the wrong field of work so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to quit but here's the thing in those cases the only time that it was acceptable for those body body parts to be separated from the body was when it was dead There is no time in which you should separate yourself from the body unless you're dying. I said, wow. So here's the thing. Is Christ divided? The body of Christ is not dead. So why would there be separation, schisms or separations, divisions, discord, disharmony? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 13. For the sake of time, I'm going to go ahead and get started there. It says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Here's what, what, what he was dealing with. At that point, the people had started to say, you know what, I'm of Apollos. Uh, I'm of Paul. I'm of Cephas. Cephas is Peter. He said, well, you know, th that's, that's, that's how I came to know Christ. So they were already separating themselves from each other based upon how they came to Jesus. He said, wait a minute, Christ is not divided. He said, just because I was the one that preached and you accepted Christ, that doesn't mean you separate yourself from the rest of us. He said, Christ is not divided. So the question that we have to answer through the word is, is Christ divided? And the answer emphatically is, no, he's not divided. But here's the thing, it's the, it's the Father's heart that we be one. Look what he says in John chapter number 17, verse 21. Write this in your notes, it's not on your page, but write this in your notes, I'm almost done. Don't get weary in well-doing. This is blessing you, I promise you. Watch this now. John chapter 17, verse 21, it says, And that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. He says, he says Father, I'm praying that, that they would be one, just like you and me. Jesus' heart is broken when we are divided. His heart is broken when we talk about each other. His heart is broken when we treat others with, 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 when we don't. Jesus died for every man, every woman who accepts him. Jesus died for each one of us. And his heart is broken when we don't value those that he values. We don't care about those whom he cares about. The last one. Being Divided is carnal. 
being divided is carnal. When we think, when we have divisive thoughts, when we have separative thoughts, when we have separatist thoughts, when we have uh, schism-like ideas and schism actions, that's carnality. And oftentimes people try to be very spiritual and deep and, and actually being a schism. Uh, you know, I don't. Because they, they have a long way to go. I'm praying for them, though. And not realizing that that divisiveness in them is carnality. Ah, you don't believe it. Okay, look here now. Uh, uh, let, let's, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm done after this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. He says, I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal, for where there is envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? He says, he says when you have envy, strife, and division, are you not acting like just people that ain't been saved? He says, because it's carnal to think that way. It's carnal to feel that way. It's carnal to act that way. But I need you to see this. This is not in your notes. Romans chapter number eight. Because sometimes the devil will convince us that we are helping God by dividing and sowing discord and, and speaking ill. We'll think that we're doing God a service, and all the, all the while we're working against God. Here's what it says. The carnal mind, look at this, my God. Romans chapter 8, and I'm done. I promise you I am after this, if I can get this thing to click. There it is. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. He says when you are envious, strife, and disharmony and separating, he says, you are being carnal. And he says, and the carnal mind is fighting against God. <clears throat> Trying to be deep and spiritual, and all the while you are just as carnal as you can be. He says, because where there is envy, strife, discord, separation, he says, that's carnalness. And now he says carnality, the carnal mind, is an enemy of God. It is fighting against God. Look what he says. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor in what it's doing. In deeds, it cannot be. What you're doing, when you have a carnal mind, what you do is carnal. What you say is carnal. Who you say it about is carnal. Because if you create discord, disharmony, schisms, causing people to separate and, and only deal with certain people, he said, that's carnal. And he says, and that mind is fighting against God. We're called for one thing, and that is to be one in the spirit. For it is the, it is the Father's heart. We are one in the spirit, we are one in the Lord. 
We are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity will one day be restored. And they'll know that we're Christians by our love. By our love, they will know we are Christians by our love. Not about how we talk about people who we don't think is where they need to be spiritually. Not how we seem to be more spiritual than others. And yet all we do is speak carnally about matters of spiritual nature. It is God's job to raise up men. It's God's, the Holy Spirit's job to train and teach men. It is our job to love them while he's doing the work. And you know, you know what love does? Love covers a multitude of iniquity. What restrains a pastor from sharing all the private things you tell, you, you tell him behind closed doors? Love. What restrains a pastor from sharing details he finds out about you and your family that are not that are get that are gory details? Love, love for God, and love for His people. Here's what here's what the, what what Jesus answered the disciples. They said, "Lord, what is the greatest commandment?" He says, "The first commandment is this: Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, with all thy spirit." And then He says. The second one is just as important as the first. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You shouldn't say anything about anybody that you wouldn't want somebody saying about you. You shouldn't do, some, do anything to anybody that you wouldn't want somebody doing to you. You shouldn't do anything to anybody's child that you wouldn't want doing to your child. You shouldn't say anything about anybody's family that you wouldn't want somebody saying about your family. You shouldn't say anything about your pastor that you wouldn't want somebody saying about you.